are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 106.7 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7400. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Friday, everybody. We've made it to the end of the work week. We've made it to another Auburn football scrimmage. Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn with you here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. If you want to call into the show, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. We want to hear from you whatever is going on in the sports world, whatever's on your mind, whatever takes you've got, predictions, comments, questions, hit us up with it. 334-321-1390 is the phone number to call. And then the text line, if you're on the go and you want to send us a quick message, 334-564-1840. Lance, how you doing today, my man? Doing great, Noah. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. I'm glad to see that we are eight days away from week zero of the college football season. Kind of depends on how you count. Today's almost over, right? You're a week from tomorrow. You're looking at Illinois, Nebraska, whoever Fresno State's playing. And then I know Hawaii and UCLA play. There's a fun week zero schedule. Not as good as it has been in the past because I remember a couple years ago we got to watch Florida, Miami really early on you know a week ahead of everybody else that was an excellent matchup but still you can smell it now college football is very much so it's it's here and as I said day 50 and day 100 as we were counting this down I'm like man it really seems like the summer's flying by we were at day 100 I said that we were at day 50 I said that and here we are about a week away from week zero and it's crazy just how quickly the summer, SEC media days, you know, playoff expansion, all these different wild headlines have just kind of flown by. And here we are a week away from the season. Let's get into it. Some Auburn football topics here. Auburn landed two commitments yesterday. What does each one bring to the table? And we'll start with the one who committed first yesterday. Trey Donaldson, safety slash point guard. Yes, two-way player here. Safety for Auburn football, four-star, number 268 national overall recruit, number 20 safety in the country out of Florida State University School in Tallahassee, Florida. Trey Donaldson on the football side, Trey Donaldson on the basketball side, still a three-star, but I imagine that fourth star will be coming pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. He's just a really versatile, talented athlete. Not only did he start at safety at his high school, he also uh, played quarterback. He started both at quarterback for his high school, which is really impressive. He's also, like you mentioned, a really high-level basketball recruit, probably going to get that fourth star here in the coming months just simply because he's going to be playing that sport more. You look at his commitment edit, he was wearing an Auburn basketball uniform so you would assume that he's probably leaning toward playing with Bruce Pearl and company uh, next fall and winter viewed by by most uh, power five football staffs as a full-time defender at safety given his ability to make plays and coverage stops in the open field uh, he's got a he's got a I don't want to say wider frame I just would I would say compared to an average safety he's more built um, he, he, he uses that as an advantage oftentimes in one-on-one situations and matchups where normally the, the receiver would be able to 
uh, out-physical you, I guess, but Donaldson at 6'2", 190, is going to be right there with him. Um, really, really talented safety, really talented basketball player. I'm going to be interested to see how he plays this season as a point guard uh, in, in high school because obviously he's going to be playing most likely for the Tigers uh, as a point guard. I really want to see some tape on this kid. This is one of the bigger point guards Bruce Pearl has brought into the program that I can think of, if not the biggest that I can think of coming out of high school. Of course, Zepp Jasper fits this build. Davion Mitchell wasn't filled out, but he was one of the taller point guards that we've seen Bruce Pearl bring in. But you look at the track record, Sharif Cooper, undersized. Wendell Green Jr. this year, undersized. Jared Harper there, three, four seasons, undersized. One of the first guards he had, Taj Shamsuddin, undersized. You look at all these guys, Cream Canty was somewhere, I think, 6'1-ish, but still, he was more on the slimmer frame side of things. Auburn has yet to have a point guard that looks like he could play safety. That's Phil Dow. That's a dude that can lay the lumber, right? And Trey Donaldson, that excites me from a defensive standpoint, hearing about all these things athletically. You tackled it from a football perspective. I'm taking this from the basketball side. That excites me from a defensive standpoint, and hearing about all his athleticism and seeing how large he is compared to the average point guard that Bruce Pearl brings in on top of that safeties are incredible incredibly physical I imagine that translates onto the basketball court yeah you think about the guards that Auburn has right now and you've got Katie Johnson and Wendell Green two guards that were incredibly physical on the offensive and defensive side of the floor uh Wendell Green specifically was able to get into the paint. If you watch highlights, he was just an incredibly tough finisher. He's like Javon McCormick with like 20 pounds on McCormick. He's he's just a bigger version of Javon. And then you look at a guy like Katie Johnson, who is just an incredibly physical presence on the defensive end, even though he's not listed at like 6'5", 6'6". He's just a physical guard. You bring in a guy like Trey Donaldson sitting at 6'2", 190, he's going to be able to impose his will uh, defensively as well. You look at where Auburn has been defensively under Bruce Pearl from the guard position. Bryce Brown obviously was a good defensive player, but... Auburn's kind of starting to trend into a direction with all these new transfers where they do really want to be hounding you in the backcourt, and I really like the type of players that they're bringing in. I'm going to be interested, interesting to see how it differs from the playing style that Bruce Pearl's had in the, had in the past. Yeah. The main question here that I have about Trey Donaldson is, how is this going to work, being a football player and a basketball player? It's extremely taxing on the body of a player to be playing those two seasons overlapping with one another think about this he won't take time off because in the thick of basketball season especially if Auburn is making a deep run into tournament play when Auburn would need him on the floor that's when spring practice is taking place and we had all you know put that away this year because Auburn wasn't going to be playing in the postseason and their season ended at the beginning of March but basketball season ends, you know, around that first week of, of April. And then you're looking at football practice beginning around that same time. You don't get a break. You're, you're, you're stepping right out there on the football field right after. And, and at some schools, I think there's even a little bit of an interlap there. It works for some baseball players and football players, as you can see with John Samuel Shanker. He's able to swing it, but this is a different, this is a different animal to... To, to try to overcome because 
you you never see this. You never see basketball and football crossover. Right. And when you look at a guy like Donaldson not being able to potentially participate in the spring to the fullest extent, it, it, it gives me some questions about whether or not he'll actually be able to make an impact truly on the football field, even though he does get fall camp. Well, that's not even the complete concern of it. Think about this. The basketball season begins November 9th. Right. Football season still has two or three weeks left at that point. And then in addition to that, postseason play that goes well into if you're one of the last teams standing you're playing into the first two weeks of January and if not you're going to go all the way to the end of the year but basketball season you're already a month and a half into it at that point so I, I wonder how they're going to balance these duties how he's going to be able to play both and how he would be able to be a major player for both considering there are duties not only in terms of practice but also duties in terms of being able to be fully devoted mentally to one of these crafts or both of these crafts from a game plan and preparation perspective and you talk about devoting yourself mentally the kids also taking classes as well throw that in the mix as well it's going to be really interesting to see how Auburn balances that and it's going to be interesting to see how they balance his workload from an exercise standpoint because you can't go to football practice and then you can't go to basketball practice you're going to end up like either seriously hurting yourself or putting yourself in danger of doing so well i imagine there's a lot of crossover and times as well so i'm interested to see how this balances out for trey donaldson and if specialization does occur which one does he lean more towards is it football or is it basketball because i imagine there probably will be a little bit of a lean but that's just my own speculation we'll have to find out as he gets onto campus and starts his auburn career the 2022 recruit four-star safety and eventually i believe he'll be a four-star point guard but currently a three-star point guard trey donaldson moving on to the other commitment this is another big one for auburn four-star athlete he'll end up playing wide receiver at auburn amari kelly out of hewitt trustful yeah really talented athlete well like you mentioned will most likely play receiver for auburn 6'2, 180 out of trustville uh rated as the number 14 overall player in the state of alabama number 19 athlete nationally 340th best player in the entire country I mean the kid's a stud he was getting a lot of interest from Alabama and UCF two schools that Auburn is is familiar with at this point um so it's really awesome to see Cornelius Williams go out there and get that guy uh from the likes of Nick Saban and Gus Malzahn speaking of Cornelius Williams and I want to touch on him in just a moment so we'll, we'll keep going on Amari Kelly but Cornelius Williams is making a big impact on the recruiting trail and we'll touch on that in just a few moments but Amari Kelly six foot two 180 pound athlete out of Hewitt Trustful number 340 player nationally according to 24-7 sports composite number 19 athlete and number 14 player in the state of Alabama this is a good get for Auburn taking it like you said over UCF and Alabama's primary teams recruiting them this is a good get for Auburn and this is honestly one of the better athletes they brought in the offensive side of this class. Yeah, and it's interesting to watch the trajectory of Amari Kelly and like his recruiting process, right? He was being recruited by all these different exceptional schools, Arizona State, Arkansas, Cincinnati, Alabama, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisville. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And then Auburn has him take an unofficial visit July 25th. They offer him August 1st, and then 19 days later, he's committed. I mean, that's it, it, you, we, we can complain all we want about how slow the summer was early on and how this uh, coaching staff seemed to be saying it's going to come eventually, it's coming eventually, but nothing was actually happening. It's interesting to see when, when, when you look at guys like Amari Kelly and within about a month he takes a visit to Auburn and he's committed. It really speaks to, I think, the talent of this coaching staff. Yeah, and also to the recruiting classes. I saw this last night. 
has gone up. Auburn is now 38th overall in the overall recruiting rankings. They were 81st on July 1st. By the way, if you look at their average uh, commitment rating, if you if you rate ranked everybody in 24/7 sports by average commitment rating, Auburn would be 20th in the country right now and seventh in the SEC. Yep. It's this not, isn't exactly where you want to be at, but it yeah. is much better than looking at 13th in the SEC from a commitment standpoint. You have to keep in mind that that point system is based off of total commitments. Vanderbilt is 36th in the country, Auburn 38th. Vanderbilt has 16 three-stars committed to him, whereas Auburn only has 11 commitments at that point. That difference of five there is only two spots in the rankings, and the reason why it's only two spots is because Vanderbilt's average rating of those players committed to him is much lower. So... It is a positive point for Auburn, and their rating, average rating of recruit has gone up as well. It's trended in an upward direction. I know it's in the upper 80s now. I think it's uh, 88 point, uh, do you have that, Lance? 88.33. Okay, so it's lower 80s. I guess I got that mixed up, but it was, it's higher than it has been because yep. it was in the 87s, and now it's you can see that Auburn's trended up to 7th in the SEC in that category. Still not necessarily where you want to be at, but you can improve the numbers with the transfer portal. Auburn may not have a ton of commitments, which may hold them back in the overall national rankings and in the SEC rankings, because once again, a lot of that heavily based on overall commitments that you have. But if you can go and get some quality guys in the transfer portal, if you can make sure that the quality of high school recruit that you're bringing in is still good, then you can piece together a pretty good recruiting class this year. On our traffic light of recruiting, where are you at? I'm still sitting at yellow, but I do really like the progress that this coaching staff is making. I mean, when you get two four stars in one day, uh, that, that that's a fantastic day. Had we been able to get uh, Zion Cruz, I believe is the uh, five-star shooting guard out of New Jersey, he pushed his commitment date back. Don't know if he's going to be going to Auburn or not, not would have, but it would have been sweet to get two four-stars and a five-star uh, shooting guard. Auburn is out on the recruiting trail right now. They're actually out there hitting it. It may not seem like it because Auburn, like we've talked about, is sitting still at 38th nationally, uh, 13th in the SEC, but they're bringing guys in and it's giving me confidence. I'm still at yellow, though, because I don't think I'm going to be at green until this team cracks the top 25. Well, you have to keep in mind, and I'm at yellow as well. The positive side to spin it was what I just said about how, yes, Auburn is 7th in the SEC in average rating, and they're going to piece together the lack of commitments with transfers more than likely going into the next transfer cycle once the season ends. You're going to be able to piece together a decent recruiting class unfortunately other teams are going to be doing the same they're going to be adding high profile four and five star recruits in the sec their average rating's not going to dip they're going to continue to add to their class and they're going to go out and get transfers it's not like auburn's the only team bringing it in so the negative side of this which is kind of what you're touching on a little bit there and i want to add to it is auburn's seventh in the sec in average rating like the best that Auburn can do, it, it, that's a positive and a negative, right? Like Auburn was much worse than this a while back. What I mean by it's a positive that Auburn is seventh is, okay, it's not as bad as maybe it really has looked in the SEC rankings when you see they're at 13th. But seventh is still not the expectation of where you would want Auburn football recruiting to be at because in theory, that means you're going to be the seventh best football team of the Southeastern Conference, which Auburn has consistently been in that, top six top five tier in overall records and they were last year but back-to-back recruiting classes that are going to place Auburn in the middle of the pack in the SEC and recruiting seventh or eighth in that rating that's not where you want to be at because three four years down the line from now you're going to start looking at eight win seasons again unless 
development is a major strength for this coaching staff and they're finding recruits that maybe are undervalued in the recruiting rankings but when they step on campus they really end up flourishing and we've seen a couple of three stars do that at Auburn right and you look at the player development that this coaching staff is known for at least Brian Harson is based on his time at Boise State there would be optimism to believe that if Auburn finishes down the line fifth sixth in the SEC that player development is going to bump them up and they're just only going to continue to climb another kid that I, that uh, has not been forgotten but should should be in the back of Auburn fans minds is uh, Darius Clemens the receiver he's still a guy that all, that's on Auburn's board and just because we got Amari Kelly does not mean that he's out of the picture at all in fact his other top two uh, schools Oregon I believe picked up a receiver just a couple of days ago and uh, Penn State has a ton that they picked up you look at where Auburn is right now with another guy like Darius Clemens. It could be could be another potential huge win for uh, Cornelius Williams. Well, don't forget Christian Clemente. We had him on Monday. Christian Clemente covering recruiting for AuburnSports.com and Auburn Rivals. He told us that Auburn has moved its target of how many receivers they want to bring in from two to three, and they've got two right now in Amari Kelly and Jay Fair and they said regardless of what happens here with Amari Kelly he said regardless of what happens with Amari Kelly number one target at wide receiver is Darius Clemens and that's not changing they are still very much so I think communicating to Clemens that they want him and they want him to be a part of this class speaking of the wide receiver position though you look at the current wide receiver class that I just mentioned in Amari Kelly and Jay Fair look at the guy who recruited him and I was wondering, and I went through 24-7 sports composite rankings for recruiters. I was like, all right, how how high is the highest Auburn recruiter? So so where are we looking at in the rankings for the highest Auburn recruiter? And it's a little ways down. It's at 62 nationally, and it's Cornelius Williams as the top recruiter according to 24-7 sports composite recruiter rankings. Apparently, he's the top recruiter right now for Auburn football. Now, you have to look at it. He's landed if not the most commitments he's up there for Auburn I believe he has landed the most commitments that he's been listed as the primary recruiter on and his average rating is above the average rating of the entire class sitting at 88.56 so that's a solid spot he's helping elevate this class you look at the guys that he brought in as the primary recruiter Omari Kelly Jacoby Albert and Jay Fair Cornelius Williams is proving himself early on as a powerful recruiter absolutely yeah you talk about a hidden gem whenever this guy was brought in all we heard about him was was really really positive things the only concern I feel like some fans had is like what we're getting a dude from Troy we couldn't get a better potential guy but you 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 guys got to start somewhere right Brian Harson had to start somewhere. Malzahn had to start somewhere. Saban had to start somewhere. Cornelius Williams had to start somewhere. That somewhere where was Troy. He's now at Auburn. Could potentially be getting another huge commitment in Darius Clemens. Penn State has three wide receiver commitments in the class. Oregon has four. There's reason to believe that Cornelius Williams is making his way up and can continue to go higher with commitments like Clemens in the future. Guess who the primary recruiter is on Darius Clemens? Uh, Cornelius Williams. That's right. So you look at it. I just want to point that out. I just wanted to give people an update and say, hey, this man, this guy deserves a sticker. This guy deserves a gold star. Cornelius Williams is balling out right now on the recruiting trail early on as a primary recruiter for a lot of these guys. And if he lands Darius Clemens, I think this is another excellent wide receiver class for Auburn to set them up for 
years in advance with Kobe Hudson and Elijah Canyon and and, the, and these baby receivers that Auburn have right now that are you know redshirt freshmen and sophomores those guys will be gone these guys will step up into that category we'll be looking at another similar situation that that you're in right now absolutely and when you look at what he was doing at Troy in, in terms of his on the field product I mean Troy was slinging around the yard their receivers were really really talented I'm going to be excited to see how that translates over the next two or three seasons to Auburn's level of talent and Auburn's ability because we've talked about it before on the show. Auburn's recruited really well at the wide receiver position. The coaching staff has just not developed him. It would be really awesome to see Auburn put out a really good product on the field as well, and I think Cornelius Williams has the potential to do that based on his track record. A look at Crystal Balls on 24-7 Sports for Darius Clemens right now before we go to break. Brandon Huffman, the lead expert here, of 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Editor put in a crystal ball for him to go to Penn State, but that was back in May. The latest crystal balls to come in for Darius Clemens have him going to Auburn, those coming from Auburn beat writers Jason Caldwell and Keith Niebuhr of Auburn Undercover and Inside the Auburn Tigers. So you take that for what you will. A lot of times you do see individual beat reporters that they cover for that university. Sometimes they end up putting crystal balls in for that respective university, but Jason Caldwell, 2022, he's 100%. <laughs> and, and he knows this stuff when it comes to recruiting as well. So And, and, and as does Keith Niebuhr as well. They're, they're up there in terms of those rankings in, in their accuracy. So there's a mixed bag there with the crystal ball projections for Darius Clemens. There's Penn State, Auburn, and Oregon predictions all in there. But I, I at the moment, Auburn's, Auburn's right there in the mix. Yeah, and you look at Niebuhr, he's 30 of 31, and Caldwell is 7 of 7. Like, the, and you look at the other writers, though, 45 of 47 for a Michigan State insider who predicts him to go to Oregon, uh, another Oregon insider who's 100% on the year. I mean, these guys know what they're talking about, so it's going to be interesting to see how the race shakes out. But that prediction came from back in March right. and February, exactly. so it hasn't really been updated. The latest stuff that's came out is Auburn and Penn State. Oregon has been as far back as early spring late winter so right now as an Auburn fan I would feel confident saying that Auburn's in the lead for this kid and that's kind of some of the stuff that I've been hearing as well but we had a long first segment here let's take a quick break when we come back we talk about the second scrimmage of fall camp coming up tonight Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. It's time for the second scrimmage of fall camp. I believe it's tonight, right? Yeah, that's what Justin Ferguson said. It's tonight. Second scrimmage of fall camp. What will you be paying attention to as the Tigers run it back? Well, I'll be paying attention to three things in particular, and they're all on the offensive side of the ball. My number one concern, the thing that I will be looking at that's the most important thing to me, is how is Auburn continuing to solidify their offensive line? How are they continuing to find out who their five guys are? Will we see more of a solidified offensive line in the second scrimmage is probably my number one concern. I agree with that. I wrote that down. That's actually my first bullet point as well. O-line play slash starters. Not concerned. That was why I worded the question as, what will I be paying attention to as the Tigers run it back? What will I be looking at here? I want to know if they've began to carve out who those five guys are going to be. Right. In conjunction with that, though, I also want to point out who's there and who's not. I'm curious to see guys are injured guys are missing you know what's going on you know for whatever reasons you see what's going on at Georgia guys are getting hurt left and right it's just another chance to see who's out there who's playing where stuff holding them back 
I know you, you look at guys are getting back on campus. COVID is still a thing, right? Or is what's going on inside all of these different programs across college football as students get back onto campus. I'm just curious to see how it shakes out um, tonight. Yeah, and then an, another thing that I'll be looking at is uh, better decision-making from the quarterback unit as a whole. TJ Finley apparently did not have that great of a night uh, I believe he did throw a touchdown pass, though. I might be wrong on that, but according to Harson, both Nix and Finley struggled with decision-making. Part of that was due to the offensive line. I'll be looking to see how they improve in the second scrimmage. Quarterback play was my second bullet point as well. I wasn't too worried about quarterback play from the last scrimmage, and we talked about that for several days, and I thought it was overblown. This is one where you're getting closer and closer and I want to see has there been general improvement made is there any general progression made at that quarterback spot going into what is now two weeks until the start of the season against Akron yeah absolutely I'm just going to be interested to see you know how comfortable uh these guys look in the new in, in this new offense and that is not a Twitter joke that is not a focused and having fun I do want to see these guys become more comfortable as the offensive line solidifies my third point that I'll be think, thing that I'll be looking at is what does Demetrius Robertson do? Does he where does Auburn standout guy in the receiver room come from? If they have one, what does Demetrius Robertson, as the veteran of this group, go out there and do? I'll be looking to see uh, what Brian Harson says that, about him after the scrimmage. General receiver play drops have seemed to have been a concern, but not necessarily the other aspects of the game, which I believe is a positive. I think you can fix the drops, at least I hope you can. But drops are something else that I want to know about. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this receiver unit as a whole handles that. I believe in 2018, drops for LSU were a serious concern, right? And they bring in Joe Brady, and they bring in these new coaches, and they had these drills that they had them go through to make sure that they that they didn't drop any passes. They had like some weird visors or something like that to train them to make sure that they didn't drop passes. You saw tremendous improvement in 2019, obviously. They weren't dropping a ton of passes. I'm not expecting something like dramatic like that in year one, but I do want to see Auburn fixing that because it, it's something that can be fixed. To answer your question, I believe it is something that can be fixed because we've seen teams in the SEC do it in the past. Again, going to be interesting to see how the entire receiver unit handles that as they continue to grow up. My last point, and this is an obvious thing, I just want to see if there's overall improvement, if the feeling coming from the coaching staff, and I'll be really keying in to that press conference to hear what he has to say and to try and pick apart it because there was some we, we played some of that press conference audio back on Monday Tuesday trying to pick apart what Brian Hartson had to say on some certain things what were our interpretations of what he had to say I'm curious to see if the general vibe coming from these coaches is yet again we've made improvement we're taking steps forward we're just not where we want to be at yet and that was the feeling of the vibe that I got from last weekend's scrimmage was that we're not where we want to be at yet but we are improving and every coach is saying that at this time of the year Auburn is no different than Alabama Georgia Florida and other big teams in the country their coaches are saying the exact same things we're not where we want to be at yet but we are improving and that's just the nature of it first week of fall camp you're just trying to get ratcheted back up you're just trying to get going and these are the weeks where you start to see improvement and you're you're settled in you're back at classes you're back in a routine and you start to figure out who's starting you get that hierarchy and you get guys comfortable at their positions that when that's when you start to see growth I don't know if Auburn's fully gotten into that yet it still sounds like there's been a lot of moving around so this scrimmage may not be much better than what we saw this past weekend but 
the next two weeks will be especially crucial as the start of the season is only two weeks away. Yeah, for sure. As far as Auburn's development over this fall camp, you know, you you also have to go back to this is still a new coaching staff. They're in their first year. Like you mentioned, all these kids are trying to get back into the swing of things. They're trying to learn new things. Obviously, this offense is a lot more complicated, new systems on both sides of the ball. But I do want to see marginal improvement as the fall as fall camp progresses. When we come back, I give you five SEC predictions for the 2021 college football season. Stick around. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on on the line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Intern Sting behind the controls. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. We want to hear from you as we go into the Friday edition of Online, 30 minutes into it. And you got the Friday scrimmage tonight. You got NFL preseason action. There's a ton of stuff going on in the sports world as we are creeping closer and closer it's the quiet before the storm you know like the the week kind of began to dull a bit going into Wednesday Thursday now Friday of course today a scrimmage you won't hear about all that stuff until late this evening when they wrap it up so I'm sure many people will be waking up on Saturday to articles online of what happened at the scrimmage and whatnot they'll be hopping in on message boards if you got questions for us call in 334-321-1390 and the text line at 334-564-1800 for oh getting into a new segment that we're going to roll out as we get into the start of the college football season i want to take a look at each of these conferences and i want us to pull out five predictions for those conferences sec starting today and lance i want you i know i have the the predictions today i want your takes on this and i've wheeled out five sec predictions for the 2021 college football season but before we get to it, we do have a call, and we are going to head to the phone lines now. 334-321-1390. And on the phone lines with us now, Shane. Shane, how's it going? Happy Friday. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Thanks. thanks uh, happy Friday to you guys, too. Appreciate it, my man. What's on your mind? Uh, I, I'm, now I'm interested in hearing what your predictions are, but uh, I'll, 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 I'll sit back and enjoy that one. I can go. But um, could, could, you, could you give me any insight? I'm, I'm sorry, I've been working and I've not been listening, so if you already said this, forgive me, but does does our coach have COVID? I don't have any any information on that, Shane. If I did, I, I would I would it, there there are no reports about it right now that I know of. Okay. I I I, I, I surely hope not. But I, I, I did you know, I listened to the to the guys right before you guys and that's what they were reporting is that that, that he does have COVID. So I, I hope that that was just some, some false, you know, false news, um, and, and that's not the case. Because don't you have to like quarantine like everybody that comes comes in contact with you? And and I think some of the rules may be shifting this year to where you may not have to wait as long and whatnot. And I'm with you, Shane. I hope that's not true. I'll tell you this: just a general Google search at the moment. There's nothing out there about it. Okay. Cool. Um, but you know it, it's the start of it's the start of a new school year and i hope that i hope that everybody's staying safe out there and, and is hopefully avoiding it because it, it's definitely it's definitely peaking at the moment right and so you hope that that folks yeah. out there are, 
are staying well. But if stuff does circulate around the program, I think now would be the time for it to do it because, you know, you got a couple yeah, weeks yeah. till the start of the season and then hopefully you wouldn't have to deal with it in the regular season. So so it's not mandatory by our coaches that people get vaccinated, but is it is it is it encouraged? Is it like is there any sort of proto you know, like a procedure protocol that says, Hey, make yourself safe and think about this or, or is it just like what is what what is risking and let the chips fall where they may throughout the season? Because if, if this happens and, and if this happens in the regular season, we lose a game because we're not, you know, we can't just back, get vaccinated. Yeah, I was I was talking to somebody earlier today, and I said, wouldn't it be something if Auburn had to forfeit against Akron? And obviously, that would be terrible. And and I I don't want to. I'm not definitely not wishing that, and that would be horrible. I kind of feel bad saying that because I don't want to jinx it. But like, imagine if something like that happened because of this. Auburn fans would be irate. Imagine, imagine this. Imagine we go, we go up there, we beat Kent State. Imagine we we go in Death Valley and beat LSU. Imagine that we even go and we beat. Georgia, right? Imagine that team, and then imagine if we do get COVID and we have to forfeit to all, all, you know, Mississippi State or you know who are, you know a smaller SEC team. Yeah, I lost. That is, that's a, that's a loss. Same same as if we were playing. It's it's definitely a concern. I'll, I'll tell you that. That's I, I. But I'll say this. I also don't think that it will get to that point where Auburn will have to. Like I don't think it'll get to that point. We didn't really see that last year. Um, Auburn didn't deal. Auburn didn't have to forfeit a game last year. Of course, most of the time they tried to reschedule, but Auburn didn't have to miss any last year because it was on them. They missed because of Mississippi State and what was going on in their program. But Auburn did avoid it last year. And other teams that you see that did deal with it, most of the time just a couple of guys would get taken out and you'd end up with your second stringers in some spots. And and you look in the NFL and that was the same way. Nobody really had their whole team annihilated to where they couldn't play. And so I, I, I think for the most part, most teams, even if they did have a little bit of an outbreak, they still could play. You just might be playing a little shorthanded. I looked at the NFL. I support the Cleveland Browns. And Cleveland had like six guys on the defense late in the season contact traced out and they still found a way to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers twice in a row going into the playoffs and they thumped them you know so like it's I'm still like Lance has been and Lance I'm gonna open this back up to you before we go to our second call here I'm still optimistic that it's not going to ruin a season we didn't really see it ruin a season last year right absolutely and then I think with the addition of the vaccine Auburn's going to have the opportunity to to get to that threshold where they don't have to be constantly testing so either way though I think there is optimism uh to the and there's reason to believe that it will not be a huge issue this year especially since we didn't see it happen last year and also I'm just so excited for football I just hope that nothing like that happens and another quick point real quick is that last year when a team did get affected by it it was pretty much kind of a one week week and a half type of thing and then they weren't really affected by it for the rest of the season you didn't really see repeat teams throughout the year so and I think we just lost our second call Ed if you want to call back please call back we 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 want to get to you on the phone lines 334-321-1390 and the text line at 334-564-1840 but yeah, this you know, there's you know I I have no information on what Shane asked, so I'm not gonna even venture into it. Like like you said, you do a Google search, you even go to the past 24 hours, nothing about it. So right, so 
no no reports on it so so there's no reason to uh, uh, unless it's just a hope that nothing happened there's no reason to negatively negatively like speculate over it and i'm not saying that's what shane was doing he was just calling to get information about it right. i just hope as po- as positive I, as i am on everything i just hope that there is nothing going on uh, and i and i hope that uh, harson is healthy Moving on now, going into what we are about to get into on this topic, giving five SEC predictions for the 2021 college football season. This this isn't just Auburn. I've got Auburn on this list, so when you hear my first one, don't just mentally tune out because it may not be all Auburn. I got five SEC predictions for you here, and I'm going to start it off in the SEC East. This is actually my only prediction from the SEC East, and I think you will tend to agree with this. I want your take on this. Kentucky will either tie or pass Florida in the SEC East divisional standings. And when I break down the records here and what and how these schedules could end up unfolding, there's a stretch of three games for Kentucky that is absolutely brutal. They'll host Florida, host LSU, and they'll be at Georgia. Now, you can say the fortunate side of that is that you get Florida and LSU at home, and maybe you can pull an upset on one of those teams if they have an off day or maybe they're not as good as the media and, and the cross-college football is projecting them to be. Outside of those three games, though, you look at the schedule, it's incredibly favorable. You've got ULM to open the season. You host Missouri. You got Chattanooga after that, and you're at South Carolina. If, if Kentucky is not 4-0 to open up the year, they, they have failed tremendously on an opportunity for them to have a standout season this year. You go on the other side of the Florida LSU-Georgia stretch. You get a bye week to recover from it. And then you've got at Mississippi State, you host Tennessee, you're at Vanderbilt, host New Mexico State, and you're at Louisville. All of those games, I would say right now, Kentucky should be favored in. So you're looking at a 9-3, and 5-3 and three type of season for Kentucky at the moment. You go and look at Florida's schedule, and there's three games that I see right now as losses for them. And maybe you could interchange one for someone else but they're two for sure Alabama and Georgia and then I think that they will lose to LSU on the road but if you want to say maybe they they beat LSU but they lose to someone else maybe they find a way to lose to Kentucky maybe they lay an egg against Missouri at the end of the season still I'm seeing three SEC losses on this schedule for Florida nine and three five and three I'll say Kentucky either ties or passes Florida in the SEC East with a five and three record. I think. I think according to I would just say like the general media, the just the general public. I would say that that's that's a pretty. That I would say that that's somewhere between mild and hot. I'd say that's that that's a an average spicy take. I'm not saying averages and just average. I sure. mean like it's it's a spicy take for me though. I love it. I, I would I would absolutely enjoy if we were doing if we were ranking these as like like wing flavors like we did yesterday I would really enjoy that wing if that were to happen I'm right there with you I love that and I love how you broke down the schedules there I completely agree with you you look at two definite definite losses uh, for Florida on the schedule well I wouldn't say definite but it's most likely that they're going to lose that Georgia and that Alabama game and there are other games on the schedule where they could trip up like you and I were talking about earlier it's it's not a situation where it would require a team when like my Notre Dame take for instance the seven and five it would require the team to lose in all their 50 50 matchups with Florida it's just tripping up in a 50 50 matchup right and that would put them at five and three Kentucky on the other hand you look at their schedule and they would only have to overcome a couple of 50 50 games and I think they're they're definitely more than capable of doing that so I love that take I don't even know if I'd call a lot of those 50 50 games I would say Missouri is a coin flip game at this point just considering it's at week two and both of those offenses are still going to be figuring things out and you talk about quarterback play Basilak is further along than Will Levis but the rest of the Kentucky football team is further along than the Missouri football team 
you go into the second half of the season outside of that stretch of Florida LSU and Georgia I think the Mississippi State game is particularly tricky just considering I have a lot of respect for the Mississippi State defense and it's on the road but that I still think that's a game where Kentucky's vastly more talented than Mississippi State the Tennessee game is always going to be or should be a close game I shouldn't say always because you look at last year and Kentucky handled them easily 34 to 7 but you also go back to 2019 they lost to a Tennessee team late in the year that was surging they lost that game 17 to 13 they lost in 2018 in the 10-win season for Kentucky they lost to Tennessee 24 to 7 and that Kentucky that Tennessee team was not good and Kentucky was so it is an up and down series history for Kentucky and Tennessee that typically produces some entertaining football games I can see that one that game being particularly interesting especially considering Tennessee will be coming off of a bye week there just those are some SEC games that I could see them trip up in but let's go to my second point this one is an Auburn prediction Sean Shivers will have north of 700 rushing yards this season I that is a spicy take I love it I thought you were gonna say 500 but no that's too easy that's too easy 700 yards I love it do I do I full wholeheartedly agree with it I think there's I think there's potential for it, and I would love to, for you to explain. Here's it. the math: you do 700 divided by 13. You got to get you got to hit 53 yards a ball game. That's doable, especially when you look at the first two games. Yeah. Sean Shivers going to get a heavy load. It is very much so in the realm of possibility that Sean Shivers is looking at over 200 yards rushing after the Akron and Alabama State games. Absolutely, yeah. And then then all all you got to do is. Uh, in, depending on your averages you just got to hit is it would be a little bit less than 53 yards a game right after that point correct so there you go yeah that's more than possible absolutely yeah and then you talk about there's the georgia state game as well that he will also probably get some significant carries i love that take i love that take that is, I'm, that, I'm expecting it that's spicy but i love it i want to make sure my math is correct yes it's 53.8 yards per game if you divide 700 by 13 that's assuming auburn's going to go to a bowl game Sting, you got something to add? No, I just wanted to agree with Lance there, like because you shared that with me off air before the show, and I was like, "Ooh, I don't know about that." But then you backed it up. And the math, like it's feasible for a backup to get fifty-three yeah. rushing yards in a ball game. I think it is, and the average does drop a little bit outside of those three games right there. If you can get two hundred and fifty, two hundred sixty rushing yards out of Akron, Alabama State, and Georgia State, then you can get to this to this mark that you need to to end up being north of 700 yards yeah absolutely. i thought 500 was too easy and then i was like 600 no let's let's go a little bit higher i'll say 700 yards for sean shivers and that's not a that's not a slight against tank bigsby but i want to even get even more into the schematic side of this sean shivers is the one who's the most vocal about how much he loves this system sean shivers you want to talk about people who are focused and having fun sean shivers is like man i, I love that i'm getting to run downhill now and i think they're getting this guy getting his powerful leverage for it he's not a guy that needs to be running horizontally he's not a lateral mover he doesn't have a lot of great movement in his hips he doesn't have a lot of change in direction and and you know he's he's a smaller running back so when he gets hit he typically is tackled but what's great about Sean Shivers is the guy runs hard he's got a low center of gravity he's moving fast typically and when he does get tackled he's he's moving forward when he gets tackled it may be a huge flip or a collision it may be knocking Isaiah McKinney's head off but he's going forward when he gets tackled yeah absolutely and he he is he is punishing the defender for wanting to take him head on also have you heard one negative thing about Sean Shivers in fall camp no you've only heard positive things about what he's doing 
I mean, basically what some of the things that were described to me from the scrimmage this past weekend about the running backs was that there was basically a backfield of Terminators and they were just throwing guys off of them left and right. The O-line couldn't block for them and then bang, they're moving, you know, they're making some great plays, you know. I don't think that I was totally true that they weren't blocking for him. I just have a hard time believing that. But, you know, for what it sounded like, the running backs were having a great day. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and it's not it's not a knock on Bigsby, like you said, but also I don't think it's a knock on Hunter as well or Jordan Ingram. I just don't – I don't think Ingram's going to get very involved with the offense this season. And I don't think Hunter's going to see a ton of time either. Let's see. Sting, you're saying let's go to break. Let's take a break here. We Yeah, we'll, we'll get out of here first, and then we will come back and wrap up hour number one, and I'll take you through a couple other points here on my five predictions for the SEC football season. Wrapping up hour number one of the Friday edition of On the Line, number to call 334-321-1390, text line at 334-564-1840. Some other math here on the Sean Shivers prediction. We're going through five SEC predictions for the 2021 football season. Sean Shivers will have north of 700 yards at season's end. If you go at last year's yards per carry clip of 4.5 yards per carry, you divide 700 by that, that'll give you how many carries he would need to get to 700. Now, you hope that he's averaging more than four and a half yards per carry to make this a little bit easier, but he would need, under those parameters, 155 carries this season to get to that point if you go off of last year's average. If you divide that by 13, he would need just 12 touches a ball game, 12 carries. Now, will he get to that point? That remains to be seen. That will be the tough ad there because last year he was averaging about six a game, but you also have to take into account DJ Williams, took a, a nice chunk of those carries and Sean Shivers wasn't even second last year on the team in, in carries Bo Nix was Bo Nix had over 100 carries I think you see less quarterback runs and I think Sean Shivers will take more of those more of those snaps from from the entire room like there won't be three running backs consistently carrying the football I think you will be more looking at two so I think there's more carries for him I don't see how he couldn't get to 10 or 12. Yeah, and then also you factor in two extra games, non-conference play being easier. Um, it, it, it lines up for Sean Shivers to have a good season, along with the, uh, the, the new scheme. So that's, that's how the math breaks down. I understand that that's a, lofty, that's a lofty goal, but I think it's extremely possible. And you know what? I'll make the prediction. I think he's going to have a good year, and I, I don't think it would have been enjoyable to say, oh, he's just going to have 500 rushing yards. That's not a prediction. That's obvious. That should your backup running back should get around 500 on a full season and then 600 I was like yeah I think he'll do that the question was can he get over the bar for can he get over the bar for 700 we've got time for one call here before we get to hour number two we got about two minutes left let's head to the phone lines now 334-321-1390 Ed how you doing today I'm doing good guys hey I, I was gonna ask you but you've already discussed a thing on the you know, Harson and COVID, so I'm not even going there. Uh, but as far as Shivers, I think his yards per carry will increase this year because last year, a lot of times, if it was, you know, a short yardage, would give it to him. Whereas I think, I think, Jark, I think Hunter, the, the young man out of uh, out of Mississippi, I, you know, that squats 600 pounds. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that he's going to get a lot of short yardage, and I also think, you know. Uh, even like John Samuel, Samuel Shanker, you know, I think that he'll get some stuff. 
so I think Shivers, you know, I think he could reach that, you know, and I think I think our running backs overall. But I, I have a just real quick, just an idea for y'all with the um, uh with the two commits, the Trey Donaldson is he? He's you no. Know, so Kelly is the two star, right? I mean the the two sport. Uh, no, Trey Donaldson's the two sport athlete. Okay, uh, all right. Yeah, I've got him confused for a second. I, I, I remember when Frank Thomas was playing tight end for Auburn, and uh, he, he went to, you know, just baseball, and I was so disappointed. You know, I'm like, man, he's, he's wasting, and, you know, you look at the big hurt and what he became and all that. But, like, it's, I just thought it might be a good question to ask, like, two sports stars and what could have been. I mean, there's a lot of people I've heard, seen specials about what Bo Jackson might have been if he just had played just baseball, you know. But, you know, just just a thought for, for calls. I, yeah, I think that this, you know, young man, up, you know, uh, is going to be able to play both of, because both of our coaches get along. But I, I hope everything goes well with, you know, everything. I hope the COVID thing, I hope it doesn't come, you know, I'm, I'm just going to hush about that. So y'all have a <laughs> good day in War Eagle. You too, Ed. War Eagle to you as well, and hope you have a good weekend. Uh-huh. That was Ed on the line with us. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390. That's it for hour number one. When we come back, we'll keep going through these five predictions for the 2021 college football season of the SEC, as well as bouncing around on some headlines, making headlines segment coming up you are on the line live on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm in birmingham and sylacauga and in auburn on espn 1067 or online on fox sports 983.com and espnau.com you are on the line with noah gardner and lance daw join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, the Friday edition of the show. This week is flying by, and the show is flying by as well. Just an hour left here. And if you missed any of the show, go and find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Those are all the locations that we're at. As well as, also, you can find us on your web browser, RadioAlabamaSports.net, as well as some other great content out there, college and high school content follow us on facebook and twitter at radio al sports also on instagram make sure you check us out radio alabama sports.net starting off hour number two as we do most days now making headlines looking at some of the headlines around the sports world what is going on and we have saved a hot topic for the start of hour number two and i'm shocked we really haven't gotten a call about this yet but reportedly in the most lame fashion ever they they needed to come up with something other than this word but reportedly the acc big 10 and pac 12 are creating an alliance what does that mean what does it mean like i think it just means a general understanding mm-hmm. that they are going to work together on all issues in college football essentially cornering the sec they obviously viewed what the sec did with texas and oklahoma as a hostile act or maybe that's too dramatic, but as an act of consolidation of power and trying to pass them in that way. And so what they 
are doing in response now is creating an alliance to basically say on all major issues, we are going to work together. And I'm curious if there's some type of contract that's going to go into place to make sure that they all act like what what's keeping the ACC from stabbing the Big Ten in the back, right? Or, or mm-hmm. like there are three different conferences that all obviously have their own self-interest and they're all from different geographical locations in the United States, which bring different cultural implications. So that's going to be very difficult for them to all work together. I'm curious what actually enforces said alliance or is the word alliance really as childish as it sounds? A fifth grade, like, hey man, you want to make an alliance? Like, that's what it kind of sounds like to me. That they're like, yo, we're going to make an alliance when we go on the for recess. Like, <laughs> yeah, and it's, we don't like him. <laughs> it sounds like that episode of The Office. It sounds like, yeah. you know, Dwight and, uh, and um, Jim already have the term taken. So they may need to find something else. <laughs> but with that being said... I do think that this is an act from the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 to kind of limit what the SEC is doing right now in advancing their power or or advancing themselves in the power shift in college football. What concerns me is that if this goes a step forward, and I'm sure many people have had these thoughts, and I don't really have a whole lot of evidence to suggest this, but it's just a worry, a personal worry that I have, that what if this is the end of college football as we know it and you're looking at maybe the ACC Big Ten and Pac-12 saying look we don't even want the SEC in our league let's go make our own let's leave the the let's leave the NCAA let's don't work with the SEC and let's commandeer two-thirds three-quarters of the country and let's play football in our own league with 60 plus teams 40 plus teams whatever it may be that they try and get to and try and leave the SEC at a different at a different table not even bring them to the negotiating table right and try and actually take over college football that way which I, I don't I don't know if that's possible also all the while but, the NCAA is over here rewriting their constitution and stuff like that they're like yeah we're gonna change while everybody else's changes like no we're leaving you in the dirt like everybody's moving in their own direction now and and the the thing is and look I, I know I said that and, and you agree with me on this there's not a whole lot of evidence out there to suggest that they're going to do that right to make their own college football but the reason why that worry crops into my mind is the professional I, I don't like to use this word here but college sports does mirror a little bit more of a professional sports industry now than it did last year than it did five months ago and the reason for that is there is now a market for players to go and there's the just general differences here there's now a market for players to walk into and go and financially benefit they can't get paid from these institutions but they can go and make large sums of cash which i'm for i like this free market capitalism i'm here for it i'm not saying that this is a negative change i'm just showing you how things have changed that happens at the nfl level as well on top of that you've got a version of free agency you've got the transfer portal right and there are supposed rules against tampering in the nba and in the nfl but we i think we can all just guess that there's probably stuff that happens behind the scenes where guys do get tampered with and they end up going to another roster players talk behind the scenes it may be all off the record but they talk like hey man how how cool would it be if we played on the same team right we would we would have a dream team or a 
super team, right? And guess what? We have super teams in the NBA now. So the coaches do the same thing, by the way. They go, hey, have you been listening to online recently, how they've been doing their coach coordinator fire thing? <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if like me, if, like it's Nick Saban and Dabo Swinney. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if like you were my coordinator and I was the coach and we just like dominated for like the next 20 years? <laughs> like those on the line guys really know what they're talking about. <laughs> That's good. And so my, my there there is a kind of a general free agency framework. It's not called that. and There's no money involved in that. But there is a framework for a player to, on his own volition, to say, hey, I don't want to play ball here anymore. And then it becomes a sweepstakes for the best players in the country. And that's, I mean, look at what happened with Eric Gilbert and Darian Kendrick. That's a Clemson player going to Georgia. That's an LSU player going to Georgia. They got the best players in the country or two of the best transfers out there in the country. So that's kind of the stance that I have on it. It looks a lot more professionalized than it did a year ago and I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing but if you don't think that it can happen I mean it could happen absolutely and maybe I am wrong I hope I'm wrong I want to add to that I hope I'm wrong because I do not like the direction that college football is going I don't as a fan I like the fact that there's 130 teams in college football as a fan I like the fact that UMass is a program that exists in division one FBS football I may not watch a single UMass football game this season but i am happy to know that they exist in division one fbs football and that they too have a seat at the table i completely agree with everything you just said and we're going to get to that later i think in our fill in the blank friday segment about how we truly feel about all this but i'm right there with you moving on to our second point here on making headlines espn reports that texas a&m basketball head coach buzz williams has been suspended for two games and the Aggies have been placed on probation, which from what I've seen is just going to be a reduction of official visits by five. It's it's kinda it's kinda like uh it's kinda like Nebraska. It's like, dude, you're not even you're not even good right now. What are y'all doing? Like, come on now. Like this is just this is sad. This is sad. And I, I feel I feel awful for Buzz Williams and, and Texas A&M fans out there because like he's not necessarily building towards something, but like he's been doing good things with that program. Now, offensively, last season they were one of the worst teams in the country. Could barely draw a rim uh, in any any game that they played. But he was making progress, and it, it's it stinks to see a program like that have to take a step back when they were obviously building towards not being mediocre anymore. I don't think it's really going to hurt them in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I don't. I think really it like Why that you just seems caught, like though? a slap yeah. on the wrist, you know. And it was lower. It was lower end infractions. It, it wasn't like you know they paid some five star recruit you know to come and play basketball at AM and he came right like that. It wasn't like lack of institutional control or anything, as if the NCAA actually has teeth anymore. But the point that I'm trying to make is it's it that the NCAA now is close is closely watching them, and Buzz Williams does get suspended for two games. AM has not released their basketball schedule yet. They're in a they're in a tournament in late November ish, kind of around that Thanksgiving time. But we don't know who they're playing before that. And I imagine those two games he'll have to serve out at the beginning of the college basketball season, which will probably be against scrub teams. So if anything, it's a good look at your assistant to see how good he is at being a head coach, right? It's an opportunity for that guy. Let's head to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390. Spectre has called in here on Friday. Spectre, what's up? Hey, I wanted to comment on that first question you guys had. Go for it. I don't think you have anything to worry about the NCAA folding ten or anything. I think this is all about TV money. And uh, when you have these conferences trying to join forces together, I mean, you got to look at the SEC now. 
two years or three years from now, if they start pulling in all the ESPN money and all the NBC money and stuff, you're going to have all these teams, all these conferences jockeying for that for that TV time. And that that's a lot of revenue right there. That's a good point. Those three yeah. those three conferences working together to try and get a larger larger piece of the pie. Yeah, right. When you got the SEC, you got the got Texas and Oklahoma part of their conference now. How many people are going to be watching these oddball games? That's right. And uh, the other thing is, on previously when you were talking in the last hour, I think Auburn in these first two games, really guys, are, are going to be working on their offensive line and their passing game. Yep. Uh, you know, you were talking about uh, Shiver making 700 yard, 700 yard plus or whatever this year. Yep. I, I believe uh, that's, that's you know, that's possible, and I'm not going to disagree with that. But these first two games, we've definitely got to work on that offensive line in our passing game. Our running game is going to, is going to be there always. And if the if offensive line is jailed, that running game is, is going to come alive like nothing said. But the passing game, we've got, to, we've got to establish. I mean, if we go into Penn State and games beyond that, and all we got is a, is a running game, we're going to be set up for a kill, so we've got to establish that running, uh, that passing game these first two, and that way when we go to Penn State, they ain't going to know what's going to hit them. I agree with that, I, and I and I've said that several times where I think that they need to be throwing the ball, and that for, I I hope Bonix gets somewhere between twenty and twenty five pass attempts in the yeah. first game against Akron. And the reason why I don't say more is because I hope Auburn's blowing them out by enough by that point to where they are going to the second string and all they got to do is run out the clock in the second half, you know. So I'm hoping the first two and a half quarters you're seeing Auburn throw the ball a lot. I agree with that. Yeah, well, just to wrap up, uh, back on this other uh, question, I can I can see in the future about three major conferences in the, in the, in the U.S. Who are they? Well, well, I don't I wouldn't know for sure, but you're going to have a – a Western Conference, you're going to have an Eastern Conference, and you're going to have a Southern Conference, and and all the major, all the Power Five teams are going to just start jockeying to see where they're going to be able to go, and have kind yeah. of like a second NFL, if you will, a much larger version of it, but like kind yeah. of a second NFL. Exactly, exactly. I, I can see that coming. Yeah, all right, I agree guys, with you. have a nice weekend. Appreciate it, Specter. You too. And that was kind of the direction that I, I, I too, wanted to go in. And, and I know I phrased it as the ACC and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 would break away on their own. I agree with Specter as well. That's something I've often thought about is, you know, down the line, and I don't know if it's immediate, but eventually UMass won't be that team, right, <laughs> that that we know exists in Division I FBS football because Division I FBS football won't be like what we're used to there might be like a second NFL out there right and when you look at the the possibilities with that I mean you could see all power five conferences and then a few schools from the group of five that are just good all form their own bigger NFL divided up by region right and then have your little interconference stuff you have your conference championships and then you have like some type of playoff system like the NFL to where it's like okay we went from our our eight conferences to there's four left and then there's the there's a playoff so I, I could definitely see a possibility where that, that that happens and would that be an incredibly entertaining format you bet oh yeah that would be an incredibly entertaining format I, I I'm just nostalgic yes. for today's college football or really yesterday's college football and, and and what I mean by that is 
you go back to the 2000s and the 2010s and sure like not all of these teams have an equal shot at winning it all but it's it is cool on a Tuesday night for me to be able to go and watch if I want to watch football on a Tuesday night in the middle of October and November I can watch Maction and I can see Kent State playing Ball State and I can be entertained and that's not because I actually care about who wins and that's not because it has actually any bearing on winning a national championship but it's the essence of college football it's a part of the fabric of the entertainment and the pageantry of college football Mm -hmm. that those types of games do exist and so the nostalgia and we'll all get over it when it gets to that point we will because it'll probably be a very entertaining product but it it is a it's sad to see it go i'm i'm right there with you in terms of i just don't like all the change that's going on right now i just want to be able to to enjoy what we had like you mentioned in the early 2000s for just a little bit longer but you know if the sport's going to change it's going to change Let's go to our last headline here in making headlines. I thought this was funny. Just want to add to it. And we got about a couple of minutes left here in this segment. LeBron James wasn't selected as the NBA's best player in a survey that was polling some scouts and I think maybe some GMs, but just general scouts. And the poll was put on and the survey was put on by ESPN. LeBron James, a little salty about it. Yeah, he didn't get a single vote, did he? Nope. nope. It was Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo because they're the best players in the NBA I think so, right now. Yeah. yeah. And so it's not necessarily like a oh cry about it thing, but it's like, you know, there there are a lot of other players in the NBA right now that are performing at an extremely high level. Well, LeBron took to Twitter and responded As most to celebrities one tweet. Do. Yeah, he took to Twitter and responded to one tweet saying hashtag #superwashed and then he made his own tweet about it and said something along the lines of wow this adds more fuel for me or something like that hashtag washed look they're not saying you're washed washed is like peyton manning when he won the super bowl in his last go around with the denver broncos when he's clearly a shell of himself right but lebron is also still not the lebron that we were watching five years ago in cleveland or however long it was ago when they won the nba finals Mm -hmm. and he's not miami heat lebron either this LeBron James is still very good and is still putting up triple doubles and is still very much so leading the Los Angeles Lakers. But as evidenced by missed time with injuries and general fatigue, LeBron James is not the best player in the NBA anymore. And I think you got to give that to a Giannis Antetokounmpo who just put his team on his back to an NBA Finals and it won an NBA Finals. An Eastern Conference team. Let me get a grip of this situation, Lance. I'm shaking you uh, <laughs> metaphorically here. An Eastern Conference team won the NBA Finals. Okay, with, that it, didn't have LeBron James on it. Let me tell you that. And with really only one superstar player, right? To be honest, Chris Middleton. Don't disrespect. I'm kidding. I, I like Chris Middleton. <laughs> I, I he didn't he is really play that well throughout the series. At least it was it was rather inconsistent. He had some some star studded performances throughout the playoffs, and then he had some where you're like, man, you're just throwing up bricks yeah he was the number two guy but it was clear Giannis was the leader of that team he was he was putting the dudes on his back and then Kevin Durant faded away on a three-pointer and drained it put the team put the nets on his back with two superstars that were out hurt and then on top of that he led the United States through for a gold medal so KD's playing really well right now too and honestly I like KD's game as a score and the general ability to impact the game a little bit more on the scoreboard than LeBron James at this point in his career now some folks will disagree with me on that because they'll say well LeBron James is a distributor and he's also a very good scorer himself I'm not saying that LeBron James is a bad basketball player he is still very good and a top five basketball player in today's NBA so that's why I thought it was bizarre for LeBron to be like 
washed. I was like, this. they're not saying you're washed. They're just not saying you're the best. Yeah, you talk about leading the Lakers. Yeah, he's leading them, leading them with injuries and everything, sure. But all the way up to that number seven seed. Yeah, come on with it, LeBron. Like, until you, until you do what you That's did fair. in the bubble, which, by the way... I'm not putting a lot of stock in what happened in the bubble. That was just a wild, crazy scenario year. Obviously, the Lakers were really good and LeBron was good. But until you do that again in an in, in injury-free setting, there are other players in the NBA, Durant and Giannis, that I would look at and say, yeah, those guys are dominating right now. To be fair, Kevin Durant is dealing with a lot of injuries too. Sure. So some people may say there might be a little hypocrisy there. And so I, was Giannis I, in, the, in the finals, right? Yeah, but Giannis didn't really miss, you know, long, lengthy periods of time like Kevin Durant has. Because he's the best. (laughs) Let's take a quick break here. You're listening to On The Line. Back on On The Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. 40 minutes left in the Friday edition of On The Line, and then it'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. They'll be taking your calls as they do every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m as well as make sure you tune in to our sister station, Wings 94.3, for Auburn High School football as they start their season off tonight against Park Crossing. This is going to be a fun game. Of course, a little bit of the excitement taken out of that the high-profile high recruit Curtis Perry not playing for Park Crossing anymore. He goes to Pike Road. Still going to be a good, fun football game tonight as that Auburn High School team is extremely talented. Do we see at any point if Auburn High is up by 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 a lot, do we see Davis Harson, uh coach of Brian or son of Brian Harson, uh get into the game at all? Well, you said it, if they're up. Yeah, they're I th- up. I think you I think you see a large enough lead, you know, it'll go to that point. Kit can spin it. I was very impressed with him in the spring game. Do we- good good footwork, looks the part, throws the ball hard, tight spiral. Looks really good. We'll be looking at this four years down the line uh, with with uh, Davis as a an, an Auburn commit, or do we see him? Uh, <laughs> do we see him going somewhere else? I'll tell you this: although Curtis Perry's not with Park Crossing anymore, you look across the board on that Auburn high school football team. They got guys that could be going to Auburn. Of course, Powell Gordon's going to Auburn as a three star, but you've also got Mike Bobo's kid is playing on that team as well. Drew Bobo's on that offensive line. Another four star recruit on that offensive line, Braden Joyner. Not sure where his recruitment right now lies with Auburn, but I know he's got some high-profile offers, including Alabama on that list. Talk about Eston Harris. He transferred from Borgard over to Auburn. Take a look at that situation. He's being recruited by Auburn, Georgia, among some other teams. There's high-profile Auburn recruits on that Auburn high school football team, and Auburn trying to get these guys in and get them to stay in their own backyard. Yeah, for sure. I'm just gonna be I'm gonna be excited just to see how those how those guys uh, play tonight. Powell, you look at his stat line from last season, and he had it, I think it was it. I don't want to be incorrect, but his tackles for loss last season. I mean, it was insane how many times that at times that kid was in the backfield. And for a three star, I'm really excited to see him play for the Tigers this year. And he's going into his senior season. It's very possible he's improved a substantial portion as well. So Auburn High School football must watch. If you're not in the duck, or even if you are in the duck and you want to listen to it, Wings 94-3 tonight. Going back to my five SEC predictions for the college football season in 2021. I've done my top two. Now let's get into my last three here before we got to go to break. Number three, Mississippi State will finish last in the SEC West. And Mike Leach, if he's not, uh, the the if he, if he's not let go he will be in a serious hot seat position going into year three boys i'm telling you jamie chadwell to mississippi state book it i want it to happen really bad 
Um, I, I agree with you. I think Mississippi State's not the again. I've said this so many different times on the show, and I know I'm I'm being repetitive, but I'll say it again. Mississippi State has missed completely on their last two hires from a culture fit standpoint. Mike Leach was not the answer, in my opinion. I I, I like that take. I agree with you. I think Mississippi State, even though their defense is going to be pretty good this season, I think that offense is going to continue to struggle and it's going to hold them back in a lot of different ballgames. Well, the offense was so bad last year that even the defense that I still attribute to be a top five defense in the SEC, I've got them at five on my list. And there's a lot of averages that support that aside from points allowed per game. But points allowed per game is hurt for the fact that they were on the field for so long. And that offense was not doing them any favors. Three and outs in 15 seconds with the air raid. And if they aren't better this year on offense, then they are going to be hurting. And this is not an easy schedule. You got to go in SEC play. Of course, you chalk up losses immediately to LSU and Alabama, but then you have to go on the road to your more winnable SEC games. You have to go to Auburn, to Arkansas, to Texas A&M. So it makes games that would be a little bit more in arm's reach if you were playing at home now are not in arms, not, not as close to you, right? Like you've got to go on long road trips to Auburn and Arkansas and Texas A&M. So that's going to be tough for, for Mississippi State in the SEC schedule alone that I, I didn't even mention Ole Miss their east opponent's going to be Kentucky who I think is better than them this is just this is a tough tough schedule for Mississippi State you look at the non-conference schedule though there aren't four sure wins there I don't even think you can say there's two sure wins there I think you can only say there is one sure win in the non-conference schedule for Mississippi State and that is when they play Tennessee State on November 20th in their you know tune-up game for the last week of the season their first three games of the season are against Louisiana Tech, NC State, and Memphis. I think they beat Louisiana Tech, but still, that's traditionally one of the best teams in the Conference USA. And don't just say, oh, well, Mississippi State should cruise. Look at the bowl game. They only beat Tulsa last year 28-26. to That may be an American Athletic Conference team, but still, they're not that far removed from being amongst Conference USA squads in college football, and they still kind of resemble that a lot. So I'm not sold that Mississippi State's just going to cruise past that game. And if they don't, well, then I see losses to NC State and Memphis after that. Yeah, I think they 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 win that Louisiana Tech game. But I'll repeat what you said: they beat a six and three Tulsa squad by two points in the bowl game. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and I don't know how much they've really improved. I I just don't know if there's enough evidence to suggest that this offense is all of a sudden going to be better than what they were last year, which was allowing 21.4 or which was scoring 21.4 points per game. Now I will say this: some of their receivers are are young. Like I would say that the majority of their team was pretty young I believe they had seven I might be wrong on this but I believe they had seven or eight players selected all all SEC freshman teams uh at the end of the 2020 uh season they were young um they they've got obviously they're an SEC school they've got some talent and I believe their leading receiver Wally was a freshman last year but again it's a, a leading receiver from an offense that scored 21 points a game I just don't know how much they're going to progress go to my fourth point here Alabama will not win the national championship let's go see sting thought that that was a little tame thought that that was a tame take essentially what i'm saying here is alabama versus the field i'm taking the field this year and a lot of that has to do a with the lack of returning production offense it will still be a very good offense it will still score more than 40 points per game and the defense is going to be even better than i think we saw last year towards the tail end my main concern is that a we haven't seen a team repeat in the college football playoff era that has not happened team has not won two in a row that i can think of i'm not wrong right clemson didn't do it did they no i don't think so no 
trying to think. No, Clemson they didn't. won two in three years. Right, that's yeah. right. Yeah, but nobody's repeated as, as college football playoff champions. It's an extremely difficult process to do. And now you're trying to do it with a true freshman quarterback. I'm not buying that they'll be able to do that this year. I think Bryce Young's going to be very good, but not void of mistakes. All right, I, I still think there will be some mistakes. Yeah, you talk about taking the field. Which field specifically? Oh, the farmland. The fields in Oklahoma. We're taking the Sooners to win the <laughs> national championship. That's the direction we're going. Or, uh, you know, even maybe Clemson if the offense can come along. I'm not super high up on Clemson. I like Oklahoma a lot this year. I'm, You know, I got to see them do it for the entire season, of course. But I think that it's more wide open this season going into college football than it has been in, in recent years. Well, now that I know that former Iowa State quarterback Zeb Noland is playing for the South Carolina Gamecocks and Luke Doty is hurt, hey, South Carolina the playoff? We can see it happen. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm Get all for here. it. Let's go Zeb. That's all I'm saying. Take a quick break here. I'll give you my last point when we come back. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Last 30 minutes of the Friday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on the show. Giving our five predictions for the SEC in the 2021 college football season. Just five random predictions here to throw out there. And I'm going to try and keep up with it as the season goes along. Gone through four here. Going to my last prediction on the list. Texas A&M will lose to at least one of these three teams. Arkansas, Mississippi State, or South Carolina. I feel like that's the hottest one. That's a, spi- that's a spicy wing right there, but I love it. I love it. Hey, I, I, I said I, my take was, was too bland for you. I said Texas A&M won't even finish in the top 15. You said, bro, they ain't finishing in the top 25. <laughs> what are you talking about? I said it's possible for them to not finish in the top 25. I, I, I just see this. Jimbo Fisher has, taken, has needed time with his quarterbacks to develop them. All right, N- Name a quarterback where it was just like, out the gate, snap of the finger. The guy was perfect, other than Jameis Winston. DeAndre Francois was pretty good, but there was still a, a development curve there, and that's his second best quarterback that he's ever had. Can we get an F in chat for just Francois in his entire he got career? Crushed. Yeah. I mean, that offensive line failed him. Don't play Alabama week one, okay? Turn. You might injure season right off the bat. Yep. It was so. It was a brutal. It was a brutal, brutal career for DeAndre. Yeah, and. James Blackman didn't work out at FSU. He's at Arkansas State now with Butch Jones. Didn't know that. Wild wow. stuff. The that sports almanac Lance makes I've an appearance all year. <laughs> that James Blackman is currently the backup what? quarterback at Arkansas State. He's a backup. He's yeah. not even the starter. Yeah, uh, there's a guy ahead of him. I, I can't remember his Man. name, but he's he's listed as the backup based on places I've seen. Now Phil Steele may say something different. You could go check on that, but that's really I'm really curious. funny. That's Arkansas re- State's been one of the you know been below average four seven last year phil still has lane hatcher yeah as a starter yeah i remember yeah okay he had 19 tds and two picks last year he was really really okay that arkansas passing attack there was a game i was watching last season i don't remember who it was against but it was like a a, blue team yeah it was yes yeah it might have been georgia state it was a fantastic game yeah they ran 1100 yard receiver yeah, their their passing attack is legit, and I think I, they, they ran a two QB system. Yeah, they did, yes, yeah, it was awesome. And, and they to would watch. literally like for no reason, like on the next just drive, they'd out. just switch them out, and the, the dude would do the exact same thing. Like they would be, they had two just really really good quarterbacks, and they just, yeah, Logan Bonner was the other one, eighteen TDs to six picks. So you combine the two, it was a grand total of 
37 touchdowns to eight interceptions they were they were really good and they had if you had combined the two they would have had 3,800 yards that's not bad at all they would have had over 3,900 yards actually now James Blackman gets to be that second guy that comes in at just random intervals like oh yeah here's a second quarterback (laughs) so I go back to it it took time for quarterbacks at FSU other than um other than pretty much Jameis Winston and then a little bit DeAndre Francois but you also look at even at A&M Jimbo's been there for the entire time that Kellen Mond was there aside from his freshman season and it still took Kellen Mond three years to get there under Jimbo so I'm not so certain that a guy who's only thrown four passes in his career Haynes King that he's just going to come out there and not make mistakes and be perfect yep. especially with a brand new offensive line in front of him has Haynes King been named the starter yet like is that official or is there still a battle going on there's probably still a battle going on there's also Zach Calzada who I think is a little bit more of a runner so they they got some of these guys still in the in the program but I'm just I'm not I'm not feeling good about AM this year I, I don't know where the hype's coming from aside on that defense they recruit well but still Auburn's recruited well and a brand new quarterback and a brand new offensive line spells doom and when I look at the schedule, the three teams that I listed, Arkansas and Arlington, you got Mississippi State and South Carolina, all three of those games are home games. I'm just saying they got to lose to one of them. Yep. And I could see a Mississippi State defense coming in and and giving A&M fits early in the year. That's the fifth game of the season for A&M. If they still have uncertainty on the offensive side of the ball, I could see a Mississippi State defense coming in giving them fits. They did almost beat Georgia last year after all. And then I could also see Arkansas. That's the first SEC game for A&M. I believe that's also the first SEC game for Arkansas. After they have beaten Texas. Or after that's, they've beaten Georgia Southern. Yeah, and they're looking to beat the, the, the second best Texas team in that state in Texas A&M. Okay. <laughs> for the first and, time since Texas A&M joined the SEC. And, so, and, and they've given them Dang. some good games, too. You look at last year, they only lost by 11 back in 2019. They only lost by 4. In 2018, only lost by 7 in 2017 lost by seven but it was in overtime and then the last time they really got beat handily was 2016 when they lost by 21 and you want and you say like somebody out there maybe listening be like 11 yeah that was still a two-score game I don't think you understand how bad Arkansas football has been over the past three seasons the fact that they have kept it that close is impressive and so I I see that A&M schedule and I think there's some opportunity for Arkansas looking to put themselves on the map and get a signature win for them to for them to go out there and potentially upset A&M away from home so that that's early enough I'm looking mainly at those Arkansas and Mississippi State games but I'll throw in South Carolina there as a bonus to maybe give myself a better chance that they'll lose to one of those three I will say this and it might have been an overreaction but in my SEC uh, media days ballot I did have A&M finishing fifth in the west and that might be a little dramatic but saying and that's still even losing to one of those teams looking at the yeah. schedule if they lose to other teams that I think are better than them Auburn Alabama and um LSU and then they lose to Arkansas that's eight and four and then if they lose to Ole Miss that's seven and five which I do think would still put them in that in that range that's four and four in the SEC three and five four and four in the SEC so I think it's very possible for that to occur for this A&M team with a brand new quarterback and a lot of a lot of changes on offense so those are my five predictions for the SEC in 2021 and we'll take a look at the other power five conferences as we lead up to the start of the college football season we'll get into those next week shifting around to a different segment now it's time for fill in the blank friday and let's start it off with last night's new england patriots preseason game the only preseason game that was on last night new england won 35 to 0 over the philadelphia eagles cam newton had the best quarterback performance in the patriots preseason win 
over the Eagles last night. That's me filling in the blank there. It is blank had the best quarterback performance and the Patriots preseason win over the Eagles last night. I fill it in with Cam Newton. Yeah, I don't. I would agree with you. I, I think Cam Newton played really well last night as well. But then you look at Mac Jones' stat line, 13 of uh, 19, 146 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Newton, uh, 8 of 9 for 103 yards, one touchdown, averaged 11.4 yards per completion. Was pushing the ball downfield. Was pushing the ball downfield. I mean, neither of the quarterbacks looked bad. It's just Newton happened to throw the touchdown and was just really efficient, really efficient last night. 8 for 9 from Cam Newton. Wow. It's great to Surprising. see yeah it is great to see i'm happy to see him insert himself back in because I, I i after the first preseason game i was like uh-oh i can see mac jones overtaking him now it's it's heated up that, that was cam newton's response i'm glad to see it and now we get to see another preseason game where they can they can duke it out again it's gonna that's be right. well that's the last preseason oh, that's, game the, they only do two they I only thought do, they did no, they four. Only do okay. three now they do no, three okay. yeah so there is one more but i was saying there's not two more there's there's only one more only so that kind of sets the stage a little bit more we're gonna know who that starter is pretty soon um, moving on to the second one here I feel blank about the ACC Big Ten and Pac-12 forming an alliance I put disappointed in this and I'm kind of talking about what you were saying about earlier I was just like I'm just not I don't want so much change to happen this year like obviously we've already got NIL we're talking about playoff expansion Texas and Oklahoma are going to join the stinking SEC here in four or five seasons I mean like can we just back off for a second can we just enjoy college football I'm just disappointed that they they feel the need to go ahead and be doing this right now with like two weeks away from college football I just want to be able to let's hold back on the change for a second you just take like one big massive mountain moving thing like one year at a time like we could have done like all off season be playoff expansion and then maybe next year we do nil and that's the whole thing exactly and then then the year after that texas no you are going to the sec just slow down let's take a breath guys next year's off season is going to be boring it's going to be so boring (laughs) i mean what could possibly happen this is the craziest off season i can think of in college football (laughs) right now i'm just now i'm just tempting fate yeah he's just like yeah let's just see what happens shame sting shame i couldn't help it Man, I feel poke the bear harder. Poke him. I feel tired about the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 forming an alliance. Kind of echoing similar thoughts of you guys. I enjoy the pageantry of college football and part of that fabric that is woven into it. As I said earlier, is watching Kent State and Ball State play on a Tuesday night in the middle of November, having zero investment whatsoever, but still entrenching myself so far that I am a Ball State fan that night, or I am a Kent State fan that night. You know, yeah, like. I like that I can watch those football games. I don't know how much longer all of this will be linked together the way that we have it today. Yeah, you talk about the Kent State Ball State, uh, and Sting and I are talking about that one uh, Arkansas State game that one night. That was just like I don't really care about Georgia State or Arkansas State. Like I just don't. But, but that night I do. But that night I do. I'm an Arkansas State fan because that was such a fantastic game. And like you talk about, it's just part of college football it's just what makes it so fun it's to have the hierarchy and all that different stuff it's just like it's awesome to see games like that on a Wednesday Thursday night just in the middle of November I completely agree with you man letter C here on fill in the blank Friday the team that I will be most excited to use on Madden 22 today's the release day as well by the way Stings over here like okay it's it is it's the release day I thought it was interesting to put in there is blank Y'all know how much I love this team during the playoff. 
the Buffalo Bills will be the team that I will be playing with first if I do you. get a get a get it my hands snow on a copy. Snow or no of, snow? Uh, I'll try both. I'll go no snow first, and then I'll I'll play a, a gruesome game in the snow uh, after. I wanted to take this. Stink scoffed at this, but I wanted to take this more from a like talking about these rosters and what's exciting about them, which I agree with that statement there, and and, and that's why I put this question in here. A, I would say the Browns. This is the most fun Browns team that I think I can remember. So I'll add that in there, but the other teams i think would be really fun the texans and the packers just for the drama of their respective quarterback situations and what to do like you you immediately walk into it the texans are in full rebuild mode and but they really haven't done anything to rebuild because of the deshaun watson situation you just got a favorable draft pick last year so you pretty much are starting from the bottom with the houston texans so that that is a fun element there but on top of that you have a great trade you have great trade power on on madden with deshaun watson there isn't any of the off the field stuff with Deshaun Watson on the game, so you're going to get a lot of draft picks or a really good player. I would say, in terms of like entertainment, and we'll 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 get to another fill in the blank here, and I've got a very similar answer: is that a dual threat quarterback? I almost thought about saying the Ravens, just simply because I think it's more fun whenever you get to play. It's broken. Yeah, it, exactly. It's a, it's a broken game whenever you get to play with a dual threat quarterback. So it's a lot of fun. Let's switch this to the college side then. If EA Sports had a video game for college football that was being released a couple of weeks ago, the team that I would be most excited to use is blank. I had two, Liberty and Auburn. Yeah, Those would be the two that I would play with. Because Bo Nix probably has enough speed uh, to be somewhat of a dual threat in NCAA, and I know Malik Willis does. Both those offenses would be fun to play with. I put Auburn in the blank, but I do have a couple others. I put Auburn in the blank because it will be so much fun to be playing an NCAA football video game again whenever it does come out and to actually be able to lo- use your favorite team. Lose with I mean, Auburn is what you I, I, I mean, I use, use my favorite team. I almost said them as well. They, they were my third choice, but I didn't want to just be like, oh, yeah, it's all group of five teams. I almost had UCF as well just because it would just be fun. Offensively, based on their just their firepower, just be fun to play with. But it'll be it'll be a blast to, to finally get Auburn back. But also, I hope that they fix the shade of blue in the game because you and I both know – Full well, that is not what the jerseys look like. Yep. Now yep. they've got the away uniforms perfect. The stormtroopers looked great. The navy horrible. All right, they need to fix that. Yep. Yep. I, I quick question, and I know we talked about this earlier during the summer, but do you prefer the the blue ones or do you prefer stormtroopers? The storm yeah. All day, every day, every single ball game. Yep. I'd be all for that. That'd be a blast. I love it too. I do like the navy though. I do. I do like the navy. Some other teams though, if if you know from a from a new I, I like to build teams up and I, and I like to look at places that just had a coaching change Kansas try and take literally the worst program in college football and, and make them good there you that would go. be a blast yeah North so. Texas North Texas dude mean okay. green baby so really quick random story every single year my brother and I pick a random group of five school to predict to just do well Meaning we'll try and pick one that didn't go to a bowl and we will say they at least win eight or nine games. Um, I don't it, we the first year we did it, it was North Texas. It was that Mason Fine as a, he was a sophomore, I believe. That offense was so good. They went from like five and eight. It wasn't five and seven. It was five and eight. And then they uh, they won the CUSA or won their division, at least. And the next year was Hawaii. Hawaii hadn't gone to a bowl game. And then they went, I think it was like 10-4 and four or something like that, something crazy. And uh, I forget the team we picked after them. I think it was Texas. My, my brother just really wanted to pick Texas. He wanted to do a Power 5 school. But we've not picked one for this season. Anyway, all that saying. You'll have to let me know who it is. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll let you know. He and I may do it tonight, actually. 
last blank here. The Braves' winning streak will end at blank games. I will say 10. Oh. Look, okay, the Orioles have lost 15 straight. They're going to sweep the Orioles. And then you have two games against the New York Yankees. I say they win the first one and they lose the second simply because I don't see this team like winning forever. I just have a hard time believing that not have a hard time believing I, I can definitely see it happening the reason why I said that the Braves winning streak will end at eight games is because I that that is tough for a team to lose 18 games in a row Orioles could make it happen they could they're that <laughs> they bad <could. laughs> but still I like the pitching matchups in the first two games Max Freed will be on the hill for the Braves and major disparity here when you look at the two he's going against Keegan Aiken tonight Keegan Aiken is 0-7 with an 8.13 ERA, whereas Max Freed is 10-7 with a 3.78 ERA. Massive difference in innings pitched, but also a massive difference in ERA. Sting looked physically hurt after hearing that stat line. It's the Orioles late season. They're calling guys up. They're giving younger guys a chance. That guy's getting smashed right now. So I'm ready. Call me up. Shoot. And then tomorrow, the pitching matchup is Drew Smiley with an 8-3 record 4.5 ERA going against Matt Harvey who is not the Matt Harvey of old he's 6 and 12 with a 6.25 ERA so Mm. I like the matchup and Braves are hitting the ball well right now I like the matchups the first two but the best Orioles pitcher will be on the mound for the third game of the series with John Means with a 3.44 ERA going against Tukey Tucson I can see like a nasty little four to three type of ball game but the Braves just you know the winning streak's got to end at some point so I'm going to say it ends at eight sure that's fair Take two uh, out of yeah. three there. But I'm not mad at that. Equally, though, they'll bounce back after that and go back to winning some more games. You yeah, know? I'm not saying that they're going to fall apart. I'm just saying at some point it's got to end. And after the, the two games with uh, New York, they play, they, they have a series at home against the Giants. And so you could then see Then the that, Dodgers. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting stretch here for Atlanta. Let's but see then if you they get can... favorable games after that. You're oh, back yeah. to playing the Mar- Mar- Marlins and the Nationals again. I almost said the Martians. <laughs> You're you're about to you're about to play the Marlins and the Nationals again after that, and there's some there's some games that you can win down the stretch, and then you wrap it up at the end with a series with a couple of series against the Mets, the Phillies, and the Padres. Those last nine games will be extremely important for this division. The NL East is going to be much watched must watch TV going into September. We're going to wrap up the show when we come back. You're listening to On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you for the last three minutes of the show. It'll be the drive with Bill Cameron following us here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Before we get out of here, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Happy Friday, everybody. Some sports and movies to go along with the beginning of the high school football season. Really, not a lot of like new episodes of like TV shows or anything like that. It really is movies and sports tonight. Jaws. Is on AMC at seven. Lance, you looked up at me. That's I me. I, your, your former intern Jaws over there. I was like, I wonder if he's gonna. I wonder if he's gonna answer to this. The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, is on Pop TV at seven thirty. Denzel Washington stars in the Equalizer at six on TBS. Similar type of movie with Vigilante Justice, but this is not. I repeat, this is not a drama about someone who is good at math and bookkeeping. The Accountant is on TNT at 6.30. It is a very good movie. Once again, not about math, not about bookkeeping. And live sports, NFL preseason football is on national TV with two games on this evening. On ESPN at 7, you can catch the Kansas City Chiefs at the Arizona Cardinals. Also at 7 on NFL Network, the Cincinnati Bengals are at the Washington football team. Little League World Series on tonight on ESPN 2 at 6 with opening round play between Texas and Washington. 
Gentlemen, what will you all be watching tonight? I will probably be watching YouTube with my little brother uh, trying to decide which college football team we, we pick to do well this season. Okay. Just shooting the bull. I, I, don't, I don't really watch a whole lot of TV. It, it might sound weird. I don't actually watch a whole lot of TV shows. I watch a lot of sports stuff. I'll watch movies every now and then. TV shows are just not really my thing. I, I vibe with that. I may tune into that preseason game. I was going to say which maybe. Which one? What was it? It was. You weren't listening? Washington. Kansas City Chiefs at the Cardinals, <laughs> Boy. the Cincinnati Bengals be at the Washington Cardinals. football yeah, team. The Chiefs Boy. Cardinals. Uh, I will say, like you mentioned, you're like you're Jaws, and I was like, who, why? why? <laughs> <laughs> he did answer to it. I did answer to it. Yeah, everybody here, well, not everybody here, occasionally I will get uh, called Jaws. It's not intern Jaws. People just say Jaws. It's just like, I guess that's, that's my name now. So. Maybe The Accountant would be a good watch, too. That was a great movie yeah. the first a time good I watched movie, it. Man. I really enjoyed it. That would be one of those movies is like if I could watch it for the first time again. It has a little bit to do with bookkeeping, but that's only to like advance the plot. It's all right. about vigilante justice. It's a good it's yeah. a good movie there you go so I, I i've enjoyed that 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 one's starring ben affleck and anna kendrick as well yeah it'll either be the accountant or some football tonight i'll also i'm i'm, I'm gonna be getting out i'm gonna go watch a high school football game tonight and hey, go find some somewhere to go watch a ball game so I, I i don't know where yet um thinking about the auburn high school game possibly go and catch some uh there's there's a homeschool football game as well that i know some folks that are playing in i'll probably go check that out also so that's always it's always fun just to go and find a ball game on a Friday night. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. And I will uh, talk about watching stuff. I'll most likely be listening uh, to Auburn High versus Park Crossing over on Wings ninety four three. That's right. I'm glad you mentioned that. Before we get out of here, that's going to be once again on Wings ninety four three tonight. Scott Bagwell, Coach Robert Maddox will be on the call. Make sure you check that out. Wings ninety four three kickoff at seven against Park Crossing. The beginning of what should be a really good football season for the Auburn High School Tigers under first-year head coach Keith Etheridge. So a lot to look forward to. That is it for another week of On the Line. We'll be back with you on Monday. Same time, same place. You know where to find us.